Hey guys, just Josh here. Welcome to Ballarat Talks. Proudly sponsored by the Region Cinema. Yeah, you, yeah. you were putting the balls on the line there. Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I moved, I moved out of home when I was 14, so it sort of comes really my face. Hope you enjoyed today's episode, guys, with John Harris. Righto, today's guest is a father, he's a winemaker. Uh, he has been in the industry for over 20 years, I think, from my research. Is that right? That's Chuck that's that mic a little bit closer. Sorry, that's Jamie. right. Just pull, uh, the, uh, sorry, pull that one forward. Sorry, yeah, a bit more, better? More, a bit more, a bit more. There How's we that? go. Yep. There you go. Right, <laughs> um, and he's the owner or co-owner of um, Mr. House Wines. Welcome, John Harris, to Bellarat Talks. G'day, Josh. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. Now, before we start, I think we better um, chuck this wine out. Hang on. Down here somewhere. Do you want a 2017 or 16 to start? Oh, whatever you're called. You're called. <laughs> You can I'm, pour. Glad, I'm glad you didn't make me taste as blind and you know guess the the vintage, the, no, no, the variety. No, not, not that harsh. Oh, jeez. Wine options game. It is. Yeah. It is midday. So it is. That's okay. That's fine. Oh, absolutely. You can show me how to pour. Yeah. Here oh, we go. Hang on. Let me get this right. Get that right. I should have. Had, I should have had label out to the camera. No, nah, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> I um. Now this for people uh, listening at home is actually my past wine, and. You, you've got to be as harsh, not harsh, I want you to be harsh. honest. Yeah, righto. As honest as you can. Okay, let's give it, we'll give it a, give it a swirl. Give it a swirl. Let all those aromas sort of <laughs> open up. I was actually, you can we'll actually go. At, yeah, you, you we'll have a look at it. The colour's pretty, pretty good. It's yep. a good start. Yep. Um, let's have a, let's have a sniff. Smells good. Smells fresh. Does it? Yep. That's, that's a 17. 17. 17 is good, good vintage. Yeah, good vintage. Um, cooler year, a bit like... This year, 2021, yep. um, we like cooler years these days and okay. in times of changing climate. Yeah, it smells fresh, you know, yeah. lots of lovely spicy red fruits. Here we go, here we go. That's delicious. Is lovely. it? Yeah, beautiful. Don't lie. I'm not lying at all. <laughs> I, would have, I would have spat it across the room <laughs> if, if I really hated it. Um, no, it's delicious. Um, it's, it's a lovely spicy... Elegant Shiraz, and it's just the way I like them. It's the style well, that I like making. I, uh, I actually, I was going to ask you this later, but I think we'll just go straight to it now. Yep. There's some terms that get thrown around with wine quite a bit. Oh, there's a lot of bullshit and, right. and wankery. Well, yeah. that's, yep. Yep, witchery, wankery, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to throw something out. I just want yep. you to explain them to me. Jeez, I hope I get give this right. Ooft. Ooft. She's got legs. She's got legs. <laughs> Oh, I mean that's a when people are tasting the wines and yeah you know, they give the glass a swirl and they see the see the wine running down the side of the glass and they say oh it's got good legs I mean it. What does that mean though? Like what? It means nothing. It, means it, nothing. it, it is not an indicator of anything. It's, it might be an indicator of alcohol or you know, the viscosity of the wine. Like if you did that with a, a really rich sugary fortified wine, yeah, you know, it crawls slowly down the glass. It's really rich. Okay. Um, it can just be a sign of the viscosity of the wine. You can it can still taste like dog shit, okay. even if it's got really good legs. Well, um, I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that one next time with the family. But yeah, you, you use that at a cellar door, and the the people behind the bar, will, yeah, they'll they'll eye look roll. at you a bit funny. They'll, okay. they'll, they're a bit of eye rolling. Right, perhaps. excellent. Um, mm, the mint notes here are strong. <laughs> mint notes, yeah. Well, that. I mean, what do you the mint notes in this wine? Is it? I reckon. I reckon it's a. You see it in, in cool climate wines, in cool com- climate reds, and especially vineyards that are planted pretty closely to eucalyptus forests. You can get these minty, uh, yeah, yeah, almost yeah, yeah. eucalyptus notes. Gotcha. Um, 
It is a thing when they're, you know, there can be some wines that are incredibly minty or have a heap of eucalyptus character that might be a little bit over the top and a bit off-putting, but yep. um, it is a thing. And I think, you know, we see it in this part of the world in, in a cool climate, yep. um, and especially around the Pyrenees where this wine's from, mint is I legitimate. Can't taste, I can't, I don't. We see, we see it in our that. Cabernet Sauvignon, it has, I described it as like choc mint biscuit, you know, you know that mint slice yeah, biscuit, yeah, yeah, yeah. it has a bit of chocolate, bit of mint, and that's just, you know, the French have a term terroir, which is, it's, it's the description for all the all the environmental um, inputs that might have an impact on the, gotcha. the character of that wine. Okay, interesting. Next one. We need to let that one air for a bit. Yeah, that is that is a thing. Yeah, that's why we have decanters, and there's all sorts of contraptions that can aerate your wine for you. Um, what does that do to it? Like that. It just opens it up. I mean, some wines that might have been sitting in bottle for a long time, they get they can get a bit stinky, if you like. Um, and you see some wines that. And you can get a, I don't want to get too wine geeky and, and, and bore the listeners, but um, yeah, sort of they can be reductive and they have a slight, almost a bit of a subtle rotten egg gas or a bit of bit, bit of farty type okay. pong. Yep. Um, and that's just a simple sort of sulfide character that with a bit of air yep. will, will blow off. And um, so it might look like a, a bit rubbery, a bit sulfidey. Um, yep. Give it a swirl in the glass or a splash into a decanter and um, it'll blow off and, and it'll be nice and fruity underneath. Gotcha. So okay. that's a thing. That's a thing. Um, that's at the end of its time. Um, often if, if a wine's too old, like if if it's, you know, in case of this red wine, if it was really brown, mm. um, there was lots of sediment in it um, and it smelled a bit volatile, smelled a bit like vinegar, yep. um, or was really oxidised, smelled like bruised apples. Um, yeah, when it's really lacking fruit and it's not pleasant, it's it's buggered. It's, it's, it's they don't live forever. Yeah, I, I always thought that the older they were, the better. Obviously not. Well, not all wines are made to to keep. I yep. mean, and and you know, I've been collecting, making, and collecting wine for you know, twenty five or more years, and um, yeah, some of my some early purchases, cheap purchases that yep. I thought, oh, yeah, this would be great wine. I'll hang on to this for my fiftieth or whatever. Um, yeah, they were wines that were meant to be drunk within five years. Okay. They're not they're not meant to be cellared forever. You yep. know, a ten dollar bottle of wine is there to it's be drunk. Straight um, away. Straight yeah. off the shelf, straight down. It, exactly. And, but but yeah, some wines do get better with time. Yep. Um, but some are made for short term cellaring at best. Hmm. Uh, and the the last one is it's got potential but it's got a long way to go. Well that's the that's yeah, they're the wines that you know you want to sell If it's yeah, you need to have lots of fruit character, yep. um, and you need to have generally some good acidity. In case of red wines, you want to see some tannin, some real grip. Yep. Um, that, and it, it, really, that fruit intensity is what what you need. And um, again, uh, yeah, some wines are made to sell us. Some are best drunk young. Those wines that are really pretty hard to approach. They're really puckering acidity, yep. and you know that really bitter. It's like you know. Bite. Like tannin, uh, like tea, like black tea, cold black tea tannin, that real dryness. Yep. Um, yeah, maybe those wines have got some really nice structural components and all the really concentrated fruit that, you know, that, that wine will benefit from a bit of time in, in the cellar. The, the tannins and the acidity may soften, um, but there's enough fruit there that, you know, in a few years you'll, let, you'll have something that's really interesting and complex and a, a real joy to drink. Gotcha. Righto. So no leaks for for anybody with the uh, yeah. the wine snobs. Anyway. So yeah, most of those terms were legit, but let's leave the, <laughs> leave good, the legs good, leg, good legs out of it. <laughs> Righto. Let's take take you back. So 
Where, where were you born in Ballarat or not? Um, no, I was actually born in Hamilton, but moved mm-hmm. to the region when I was about four years old. My, yep. my old man was a, a school teacher. We moved, and I grew up out of Warborough, out, out, yeah. out in the country out there. So yeah. good country. It's beautiful, a great, great place to grow up. It Absolutely is. loved living out there. So my father was a school teacher there, and um, so all my friends sort of grew up on farms around there, and. Um, had a wonderful time growing up out there and um, and went to school here, secondary school here in Ballarat. And did the wine, how, how did you get into the wine side of things then? Like, was the, did your far, farm have one out there? Did you, did no, you have, no, no. My, my parents didn't drink much wine at all, really. It was, um, I don't know, I think I heard, it might have been Jamie Oliver or some chef said, you know, uh, he was asked, <laughs> you know, why did you become a chef? And he said, because I was always hungry. Maybe maybe I was always thirsty. Oh, I was thirsty. And, yeah, um, but, it was just something, I was doing a science degree when I left school, and this is sort of early 90s, um, sort of in the middle of a recession, there weren't many jobs going for just a, a basic sort of undergraduate science degree. Yep. And around that time, wine started popping up in all lifestyle magazines and newspaper supplements and things like that, and I just started reading about it and yep. just thought, this is really interesting, this is, you know, it's sort of, I thought this maybe this is a, a way to to uh, mix my, my love of food and and, and drink yep. and but also a bit of science as yep. well and um, started drinking a bit of cheap red wine with with my uni mates and uh, went to a wine tasting and was you know having having a great time tasting all these wines and I asked one of the exhibitors I said you know how, how do you become a winemaker and they said oh well go and go and work a harvest you know during during vintage sort of early you know late summer early autumn you know it's the busiest time of the year that's when you know, all the grapes are coming in and, and there's lots of jobs to be done. Yep. Just get in touch with a couple of wineries and see if you can get a job. And I did, you know, I could have picked from any number of jobs that, that first time and, and went up to uh, northeast Victoria, up to Brown Brothers. Mm-hmm. I think my, my parents used to drink a bit of Brown Brothers port back in the day and so recognised that as a big company. They made lots of different wines. And so I went up there for my first vintage, my first harvest, and just fell in love right from the, that very first day. Just the the hustle and bustle of, you know, grapes coming in and, you know, all the, the processing and the, the tastes and the flavours, you know, the, the, the smell in the winery of, of, you know, these freshly pressed grapes, it's just, it was intoxicating and I just fell in love right from the start. You picked it or you were bucket boy? Um, no, I was, I was working in the winery. Oh, you were working uh, yeah, in the winery? Yeah, I wasn't yeah. out in the vineyards. I did, I did do a Sultana picking job for a couple of weeks, um, mm-hmm. a few years earlier. Um, yeah, that that didn't that had very little to do with wine yep. apart from the the nighttime consumption. But yeah. um, no, it was really yeah working in the cellar up at up at Brown Brothers was my first sort That's of real start, and it just just fell in love right right from the get go. It's a pretty labour intense job. Like I remember we used to so we did our our Pars Vineyard was only like three or four day pick. Yep, and. Um, they say a lot of Cambodians come down. They used to come around and pick all around here, around the region. Well, you do you do get a lot of crews now yeah. coming from perhaps Shepparton or coming up from Melbourne. We yep. used a used a crew this year to you know in the middle of in between rain events this year during harvest. We had a, a tiny little block that needed to be picked in a hurry and, yep. and couldn't rustle up enough friends and family to do it. Um, and so yeah, we got a got a crew to come in and do it. And um, yeah, that's fantastic. That, oh, that's what nice. they do. They, they work the vineyards everywhere. Do you do the machines at all not when you pick? We don't use any machine picking. Um, no. All of ours are hand picked. I mean, we're pretty tiny, but um, you know, much of Australian vineyards are machine picked. I mm. mean, it's you know, when your cost of 
labour is so expensive in this country. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of big vineyards set up to be mechanised. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we're picking in pretty warm part of the year. And so sometimes the best quality grapes are machine picked in the cool of night. You know, you can pick 24 hours a day with a machine. Yep. And, um, yeah, when those grapes, you've only got a small window when, you, when you're meant them. to pick them. And yep. so, yeah, you've got to pick them when they're ready. And so if you can pick at night, um, and it's a lot more efficient. You know, you can pick 20 tonnes in a night that might take you four days and five times the price to hand pick it. I don't know if, do they have, um, I remember they did uh, like a, I think we did one year of that yep. at PARS, or two years maybe, and they kept breaking posts, or maybe, I don't know if it wasn't, is that common, like, or maybe the rows weren't long enough, or oh, look, enough to say? Yeah, look, it can, I mean, they're, they're machines that sort of straddle a, a row of vines. Um, and they shake them, isn't it? Yeah, you've got these vibrating arms either side of it that just sort of shake the vines, um, and yeah, then the fruit drops off into some conveyor belts, and then transfers them over to a, a bin behind a tractor yep. um, and yeah it can can be pretty violent and if if you know, you're not familiar with the vineyard or the machine um, yeah you can take out a few posts I've seen some disasters with with <laughs> new machines and and um, sloping terrains that um, yeah it can be expensive yeah, um, be. repair jobs it's expensive it, it, you're, and like so I remember we Pa just sold his actually so yep. he sold it oh, maybe a year ago He's obviously got the the wine around. Yep. Um, but it was pretty full on. Like it's a full on hobby. Like it was if you're not set up, I suppose, with the watering and everything properly. Oh, absolutely. To run to run a vineyard is yeah. You know, a lot of people have those romantic visions of you know, when they retire, they're going to plant a few rows and yep. just put their feet up and you know watch the wine grow on the on the on the vines. But no, like especially like a year that we've just had with lots of humidity and quite a few rain events. Yep. Um, you know, you need to be pretty vigilant mm. um, in how you manage that vineyard. You know, that to prune a vineyard takes a bit of skill and a, a lot of time. You're standing out there in the middle of a Ballarat winter pruning a, a vineyard, um, you know, oh. is, isn't always a lot of fun, mm. but um, it's, it's what you do. And, you know, if, if you're connected to the whole process from vineyard through to winemaking, um, you know, you really understand that, you know, what you do out in the vineyard has direct impact with the wine quality. Yeah, when I when I first started winemaking, you know, winemakers were the rock stars. You know, there were, you know, big corporate wine wine companies. They'd, they'd fly into these wine shows in the in the their private jets yep. and um, and no one really thought about the growers too much. Whereas, you know, these days and you know, like forever in the old world in France and Italy, it's it's all about where the grapes come from and so it's it's what happens out in that vineyard um, yep. that really determines the, the quality of wine you're going to make you know I, I can't take you know crappy grapes and make really good wine all I can take is really good grapes and, and stuff it up so yeah you can't you, you know it's, it's what you know you can't polish a turd if the grapes are no good shit, to start I can't yep. make good wine but if if we can get it right out in the vineyard, if the growers um, and, and the site and the climate and everything's good, then um, that gives us a really good starting point to make some good booze. So you get the grapes. Yep. So what, run me through your first wine you made. Like, was there any any errors with that, or like it was a bit of a oh, I made plenty of errors. I mean, when yeah, you know, when I was working for a big company like Brown Brothers, I was just in the cellar hand. I'd, I'd get instructed what yep. to do, and but yeah, when you. And I guess, yeah, I, I, for a long time I, I worked in cellars as a cellar hand and then um, as an assistant winemaker and, um, 
and you know you sort of got you had good leadership and you sort of it was almost like a um, an apprenticeship if yep. you like and, and I was studying wine making doing a science degree sort of part-time as well for mm-hmm. those early years um, and so Oh, there were plenty of mistakes along the way. Um, you know, some of them my fault, some of them, you know, I'd, I'd question whether it was my fault or I was poorly instructed. But, um, oh, yeah, yeah, I've had some complete disasters mm. b- before. And But thankfully, um, in, with our own winemaking, you know, we started Mitchell Harris in 2008. So mm-hmm. I'd been making wine and had made a lot of stuff-ups before we, before then. And so, yeah, but, you know, the, the, occasionally you, you get it, you know, for me, Getting the picking decision, like when to pick those grapes, is one of the most important things. And when, you know, when you're looking at the weather, trying to find the right slot, you're tasting the grapes to see whether they're right. You know, sometimes, you know, my my trigger finger can be a bit itchy, and I want to want to pick them. them. And then you get ten days of really fine weather afterwards, and you sometimes think, oh wow, I should have left them another week. They'd be a bit better, but um, yeah, you only have to. Pick them once, and but I've also yeah. seen where you've picked too late, and it's been a complete disaster. You know, you get it would be fine art. Yeah, so getting that, you know, I spent a long time this last vintage, these last few weeks, looking at various weather apps on my phone, just yep. and a few sleepless nights, just wondering what the weather's going to do, and you know when we're going to pick, and yep. um, just looking at the quality of the vines and the flavours, and like you know, can they go a bit longer? If we get two inches of rain tomorrow, what what will the impact be? And yep. um, so yeah, there's a, there's infinite number of variables to you know from vineyard through to finished product. So you go from Browns Brothers, yep, and you move back to Ballarat. Moved back to Ballarat, did a couple of vintages at Brown Brothers, did a little bit of work in retail in Melbourne while I was sort of finishing off a subject at, with my science degree. Yep. And that was great fun. I got exposed to, I got exposed for the first time to, you know, the retail space and we were tasting lots of, I had a boss that was really enthusiastic about, you know, tasting lots of wines with me. He wanted me to take over running this, this oh, wine, yeah. wine shop. Um, but I actually, my passion was actually in making the stuff and so but I got you know got the chance to taste wines from all over the world and that was that was really good and then um yeah went back to Brown Brothers did another vintage there um sadly you know I had hoped to get a job up there but um and I had started studying the the wine science degree by then that was part-time at a Charles Sturt uni up at Wagga um but ended up moving back home to back home to Warbra and I was home there for a well it wasn't that long it was only a few weeks for doing my studies and twiddling my thumbs a little bit, trying to find you know, work around here and then got a job at a, a little winery up, up in the Pyrenees. Um, and worked, who, was, who was that? Uh, that was with Mount Avoca Vineyards. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. Um, John and Arta Barry were running that. They, they founded that vineyard and I worked there for about four years whilst I finished my science degree and then um, it was time to move on, time to go and seek bigger company experience but that was that was great at, at Mount of Oak then that's what I went from being a seller hand um, right through to sort of looking after all, all aspects of the winemaking yep. um, and sort of running the day-to-day seller operations and, and winemaking there um, but then it was time to move on and um, a good mate of mine that I was studying with um, he was one of the winemakers at Domaine Chandon in the Yarra Valley yep. and he said look Jono we want a senior seller hand down here we've got a fair bit going on um, Come on down, come come down, and do harvest with us, and I, that was sort of I was at that stage in my life where I was like, right, I'll go and do a harvest, and um, yeah, if a full time job doesn't come out of it, then I'll go and do a northern hemisphere harvest. Yeah. So you could sort of go between southern hemisphere yeah, and northern just, hemisphere. I thought that'd be pretty that'd be pretty cool to do yeah. that for a, a couple of years, and yep. you know, get a, get lots of different exposure. But yeah, it ended up 
I ended up staying at Shandon. I really worked my butt off. They, they sort of dangled a carrot, kept dangling a carrot, saying, there might be a job, there might <laughs> be a job, there might be a job. <laughs> and so, uh, and like for about six months, I'd turn, I'd, you know, I was flying, I you know, flew to New Zealand and going all around Australia, other job offers. There were so many jobs going at this point in time. There were, yep. you know, I could have picked any, you know, six or seven different jobs. Um, but I just thought, no, Shandon was going to be the place to, to go. There was a really good opportunity there. And so, yeah, I just worked my butt off and, and did enough to, to get a gig there and um, sort of was assistant winemaker um, there for a while and then sort of worked my way up to still winemaker and then sort of um, well, after a couple of years took over um, running the sparkling wine program for Shandon, which was fantastic. Huge. Did, what made you come back to Ballarat then? How did you... Um, oh, a lot of people thought we were mad, but um, so this is, we're now sort of talking 2006, 2007. Um, my brother-in-law, Craig Mitchell. Yeah, um, if you want to see these photos, guys, he's an incredible photographer. Brilliant photographer. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and our business partners, so there's Craig and Alicia, yep. um, and Shannon and myself. Yep. Um, Shannon and Craig are brother and sister. Yep. Um, and so I guess, you know, we're the, we're the Harrises, and Craig and Alicia are the Mitchells. Yep. Um, and that's how Mitchell Harris came about. But, you know, prior to that, um, Craig and Alicia had been working over in the UK. Um, everyone, the Just other, been the, everywhere. Everyone's been ever, sort of. Yeah, the other, the other three are all health professionals by trade. Um, and they've really just indulged me in this little wine business that we've created. And um, and you know they'd come around for dinner. And you know we, oh, we, we had very young kids like babies. And you know you'd have, you know after dinner sort of dinner party conversations when you know you're on your third, fourth bottle of wine and start, start dreaming and scheming and you know, around that time um, a lot of my mates who were you know, career winemakers working for other, other wineries started putting out little side projects like, and this was a time when the Australian wine industry, especially the vineyards, had just grown so huge. It was part of a, a 30 year um, expansion program um, that but they planted the vineyards in the first five years and so there was this massive surplus of fruit by mid-2000s. There was more fruit than Australia could sell and so there was all this surplus fruit going begging so a few winemakers started, you know, they'd buy a couple of extra tonnes from their grower and, and on the side make a, make a little bit of wine yep. um, and, you know, on sale. And then put a label on it and away you go. And you know, that and we thought, well that'd be a that'd be a really good idea. We should we should do that as well. And so and we should do bubbles. Everyone else is doing, you know, Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot and Shiraz and, and Cabernet and so we thought, well, bubbles is my shtick. That yep. was that was what I was known for. And so I went to my boss at Shandon and I said, Tony and Tony had a he had a wine brand and the CFO had a wine brand and the senior winemaker, they all had a wine brand and I said, Tony, you know, got this idea I'd like to make some bubbles and under my own labelling he said no way so my, my, my he said son, no way he said no Shandon sparkling winemaker is not making a sparkling wine he said you can make whatever else whatever else you want but you can't make bubbles and um, I think it was just at the time I and mean, we'd had a pretty we were going through a massive growth phase um, it was on the back of uh, there were bushfires in 2007 up in the King Valley so yeah. all these growers like we were we were buying fruit from all over um, all over Victoria and, and at, the, at the time all over Australia just trying to find premium sparkling fruit and so and then yeah we'd, we'd done all this work for years trying to get all these new growers to come and um, come and sign on with Shandon and then we had all this massive bushfire and smoke taint issues and yep. you know we had to drop you know several thousand tonnes worth of fruit that all these guys had just signed up and, and that was pretty disheartening um, and, and there were a few other production issues going on at the time and 
we just had our second child, and so we had a, a one-year-old and a brand new baby at home. And I was thinking, oh, this is this is, and I was doing you know, 15 weeks a year sort of travel. And I was like, hang on, this is starting to lose its novelty a little bit. You know, it was an awesome opportunity, but um, and so I just thought that the time was right. So right, if we want to do our own thing. Let's move back home here. Ballarat, all our, our siblings, um, all our parents were back here in Ballarat when you've got a couple of couple of babies. Um, you got two under two? Was that two under two? Yeah, we had we had you know, we had a like a fifteen month old and a brand new cool. baby and so it was like, yeah, I think yeah, let's let's come back home and um, hooked up it ended up going back to Mount Avoca with new owners. Um, they'd gone through a few changes of ownership and needed someone to sort of straighten the ship a little bit there. They, they needed a bit of help and so I ended up going back there. But that was with the proviso that I'm also going to start my own wine brand. We're going to, we're going to start Mitchell Harris. So you're um, pretty straight up to start with them. Oh, absolutely. I said, this is what we're going to do. This yep. is part of the reason. And they were, yep, that's fine. And so we did. And yeah, had some, we, we bought some fruit for some sparkling back in 2008. And and then thought, you know, then that process of making sparkling wine. We knew we had a wine, we we're going to call it Sabre. Sabre's our flagship sparkling wine, I think, as um, Liana mentioned in the last mm. episode, where we like to savour the, the yep. cork off the top of it. Um, we knew we had a wine called Sabre before we knew we were going to call ourselves Mitchell Harrison. So we'd made this wine, we thought, hang on, we need to, right, start, what's our business name? So we'll just call ourselves Mitchell Harris. And that sort of stuck. And then, you know, instead of waiting around four years before that first wine came out, we I was making wine for a number of people up there and, and so I just had a taste of a few barrels and I'd put together my own blends and buy it off these other guys and yeah. um, so we put together our own blends and developed, started Mitchell Harris Wines and had some early success sort of in the in the trade and and um, and sort of had enough momentum to go with it and we probably got about 2011, um, probably thought one of us needs to go full time into, into this business because you know, Alicia and Shannon were trying to sell the wine and as well as having a couple of kids, you mm. know, Alicia, they had twins during that, that same year we started our wine business, they had twins. Um, and so it was just crazy and I was, you know, busy trying to, with, you know, with my winemaking career and, and yeah, it was a real struggle and, and just, you know, cold calling restaurants and bars and try and bottle shops trying to get your wine on isn't isn't easy mm. and so we did that for a few years and by about 2011 thought hang on you know it's a bit of work here um i probably should be the one that if we're going someone's going to go full-time into the business then it probably should be me um but we also thought about maybe opening a little direct to the public retail you know selling wine direct to customers is much more profitable than than selling wine wholesale and and going to the trouble of you know cold calling yeah. restaurants and things like there's nothing i'm none of us are natural sales people and so we found that you know a bit of a chore and so yep. we really we started thinking maybe we should open a little place and so we were looking around at not actively but just keeping an eye out what was you know any retail spaces that might pop up and then uh craig and alicia spotted the the uh, building that we're now in, mm. and um, great spot too. Oh, great spot! But it was probably about five times the size of what we envisaged. Um, but oh, we had yeah. a, you wanted something really small. Oh, nothing that big. Like we didn't know really. We're just sort of looking and thinking maybe you know, just a little bottle shop and sell it all. People could come and have yep. a taste, and you know, in the heart of town somewhere would be good. And we had a look at this place, and it was like, whoa, it's huge. But we love it. Yeah, and there's a cellar in there, and we just we just fell in love, and then. Big stolen borrowed to to get in there and, and got the building and um, then yeah the rest is history. Yeah, you've, I think you've done fantastic. What what year was that? Did you get the building? That was 2011, Christmas 2011. We we got the keys to to that building. 
Yeah. And then it was probably 15 to 16 months um, of work, you know, reno- reno- renovating and Shit. mainly just cleaning, yeah. cleaning and getting rid of rubbish and paint and, um, and yeah, and then March um, 2013, we, we opened the doors. What was before? What was in there before you guys? It used to be Max Roberts Electrical. So about thirty odd years, it was an electric motor workshop. But yep. uh, Max, Max had been pretty ill of health, and he he put that building on the market. Oh, I think two thousand six, two thousand. So I don't know. I don't know about two thousand seven. I was no, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, sort of yep. post GFC, and then sat there empty for a couple of years, and pretty much you know, empty buildings just start decaying pretty yep. quickly and so it needed a lot of work but um and by the time max went through every nut and bolt that was in the place and cleaned it cleaned it out yep. um yeah we sort of we we got the keys um december 2011 and craig and i pretty much spent the summer on our hands and knees pulling out nails out of the floor and you know and just just cleaning the place and it's all and worth it, it absolutely it was all worth it it was fantastic did um were you a bit nervous to jump into that like at the start, were you? I think we were a bit too ignorant to be nervous. Um, I don't know. I think yeah. we were nervous. It was a bit, you know, it was a big investment. We you know, spent a fair bit on the building, and then and then actually to get it yeah. where we could open it, we didn't. You know, we only just had the front bar bit open. There was upstairs hadn't been finished. There was nothing out the back. Was still just full of rubbish and building materials, and we might have moved a pallet or two of wine in there just just to store it there. Um, uh, but we were lucky. We had we had really good people around us that could help sort of have our vision sort of come to life if you like you know we you know the first night I ever worked in a bar was the night we opened that place um and that's how you know pretty ignorant we, we were but we had really good people um to help us and, and guide us and um but yeah look it was it was ner- a bit nerve-wracking but bloody exciting it was exciting. really exciting I suppose it's a little bit different when you've got people that are like-minded like yourself you got yep. four what you have four in the business so it's yeah. a bit more Diversified, I suppose, too. Which Absolutely, and we did a lot of research. Like we had, you know, we had we had that those fifteen months to really try and get the offering right, what we thought would work. Um, and yeah, we've spent plenty of time on you know the, the customer side of the bar and sort of knew what we liked and knew what Ballarat didn't have. Yep. Um, and so we wanted to create something really different, um, bring a bit of wine culture to to Ballarat that wasn't there. I mean, Ballarat's always had a really healthy beer and pub culture but we thought right I think Ballarat's ready for you know some wine culture and when you you know this there were people in this town that say oh no Ballarat people aren't interested in good eating and drinking I mean that's just complete nonsense yeah, um yeah there's plenty, now, there's plenty. Now, now there's plenty but yeah there were people there that they were they were cooking at home or eating at home and yeah there might not have been many fine dining restaurants and yeah there were a few good good pubs and a few other people having a go but yeah when we moved back here in 2007 2008 there wasn't wasn't a heap here um you know, we'd, if you wanted a good meal out, you'd go to you'd go to Dalesford or you'd go to Melbourne or, yeah. um, and the Ballarat didn't have that real culture. But about the same time as you know we were doing what we were doing, you had, yeah. You know, so the Mallow Hotel was really just that. Right, we're going to be craft beer. You had um, Damien Jones who opened Catfish Thai. Um, yeah. Now Mr Jones and. Um, you know, Tim and Chris, the Forge Boys, that opened up Forge. All of a sudden, you had this fantastic big pizzeria that was you know making pizza that you know Ballarat had never seen before and it was like hang on there's a bit happening here there's enough people aiming a little bit higher that it was the real start of something and so it was really exciting to be part of that sort of emerging food and, and hospitality scene if you like. Hmm. So being in the uh, food food and wine industry yep what are your favorite places around town? 
Oh, there's lots to choose from now. Um, yeah, loving the stuff that um, Teddy and the guys have been doing at Moon and Mountain and Ragazzoni and, and looking forward to going into Renard. Um, oh, it's open now. This, yeah, yes. I just walked past on the way down here. The doors look pretty open. I think they've done a bit of a soft opening. Um, Did you go down? Last week. I, was, I, was, I didn't go to the, make it to the soft opening. I was at somewhere else, but we'll be in there pretty shortly. And so that, okay. that's adding a real bit of vibrancy to what's going on. And just, um, But then, you, you know, you've got... The guys at the Mallow, you know, mm. champions for craft beer. Um, you've still got Mr. Jones yep. as well, um, which is incredible. Like that, that Damien's Thai food um, is just amazing. Um, oh, what, I mean, there's lots to choose from. I mean, it depends what you want. You know, the guys at Griffin Burger. Um, I mean, Sammy, did you listen to his episode at all or not? I've listened to a bit of it, yeah. He's, I've listened to a bit of that. I mean, that's Great, I mean, but just doing something a bit different than just, um, you know, your standard fish and chip shops and, 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 you know, often mediocre pub meals. Like, the guys running the pubs now, everyone's lift their game and everything's really good, you know. The new North Star mm. um, is fantastic. Um, you know, you've got the guys at the Western GCs. I mean, they've all got their own little niche, you know. Um, it's healthy competition, uh, though. It is, like, you know, Park like Hotel, Lakeview. I mean, all these guys, they you know, they're... And if, I apologise if I've forgotten anyone. I've forgotten lots of people. And um, but and yeah, and then Derek at Underbar. I mean, what the stuff that he's doing. Haven't is, been there yet. I mean, it's inc- it's a it's only a sixteen seater. You got to book months oh, in advance to, and it's set menu two nights a week. So there's places are scarce. But you know what he's brought to, you know, he's really raised the bar considerably. Like it's just you know world class food. Yeah. Um, and so that's really interesting. Um, and you know there's there's a few other, and all the all the cafes. You know. The, Coffee culture mm. in this town is is just going from strength to strength. You know, there's cafes now popping up all around the place. Um, right. You know, the little suburban cafes. There's yep. a, the um, Water Street Watershed cafes just going to open up mm. soon. There's a little pop-up caravan out there, and I've. Full disclosure, it's my yeah. brother's business, but he's just, <laughs> he, he, he's, he's, just, he's just opened up there. And it's, but, you know, Brown Hill, like the fact that there isn't much out of Brown Hill, but there's a lot of people out there. The so start, There's a start and there's... Um, what's that one on the corner near the near the hotel there? Is that the one I'm talking about? Um, oh, yeah. Um, oh, what is it called? It's it used to be v- Vegas and Rose, sort of out that way, oh, but no longer. Um, oh. But... Yeah, there's, you know, in terms of coffee shops and things like that out, out that Pop side of town, there's not much. I mean, there's lots of development out Lucas, um, that side, and, and DTC. Orchard? and the Orchard that. Cafe they've done, they just done up there, Leroy? No, I haven't been, they haven't been to that one. It was in Wilson's. Right, OK. Yeah, so they just, I think they took it over last year, maybe. That's, that's all right, OK. So, but, so it's all these exciting little spots mm. going to pop up everywhere. And so, and that's that's exciting and, and it's good for everyone. You know, people still ask us, oh, you know, you're really concerned with all the competition around town. It's like, nah, no, nah, not at all. We'll keep doing our thing. Everyone else will do their own thing. And if, if a, a cafe or a bar or a restaurant opens up around the corner from us, and it's good, yep. um, then that'll bring more people to the city. Yep. And, you know, we don't expect our customers to come and dine with us every night of the week. Um, but it keeps, you know, if there's other places for people to go, we'll get more people from outside of town. We'll get, you know, our biggest competition is still people sitting at home on the couch watching telly. Yeah. Seriously, like our, our quietest time of the year is AFL grand final, uh, final season. When if there's a oh, decent game of footy home, on a yeah. Friday or Saturday night, mm-hmm. yeah, people who don't really care too much about footy, a bit like myself, but if it's a good game, 
you'd be more inclined to stay at home and we see a real drop off during September so that's our biggest competition not a funky new restaurant opening around the corner mm. um, yeah so that you know we want more more diversity in, in the eating and drinking landscape in Definitely. Ballarat would What's be fantastic rising uh, was it the rising tide floats all boats and that, that's been that's our philosophy right you know that's why you'll often see in a lot of our social media stuff it's we're not just banging on about us we're supporting you know it's what's Ballarat good for community. Ballarat is good yep. for everyone yep and so yeah developments like the Gov Hub and things like that if that brings more people and more jobs to the city everyone wins you, you love you love Ballarat love it absolutely love it. Mo- moving back here it. has been tremendous absolutely I, I love really it. do like I, I said this on the Labor podcast already. it's the mm-hmm. happy man yeah I've just been letting that air out um, you have yeah. <laughs> it'll be better for it it'll it's, be better for it 2000 and, um, I'll get you a separate glass I'll no, sure. doesn't matter. No, 2016 no, 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 no wine wankery or snobbery no. here. We, we don't care righto this is a 16 glass 2016 so I don't know if warm, this is very warm vintage very hot warm vintage 16 yep probably the earliest and warmest on record so it's mint notes might be a bit riper, jammier notes in this one, perhaps. Is it sweeter? Tell me if it's sweeter, I'm not sure. Probably not sweeter. I imagine no? they're both fermented dry, so there shouldn't be any leftover sugar. Might be a little bit more alcohol. Maybe not. Oh, jeez. See, I'm, I'm the noob. We have to come in, come down there. And... Yeah, it's delicious. But that is great. It's is that much different? I reckon we should have done side by side, done a comparison. Well, if, we, if we wanted to be real wankers, well, here we but, go. Yeah. Um, there's another one. Yeah, well, I reckon it's a bit. I reckon it's a bit riper, juicier, has a bit more blackberry, ripe, sort of jammy side. character, which is exactly what you'd expect with a warmer vintage. Right, magnificent. We'll just excuse us while we swirl. Yeah, sorry, sorry, guys, if you listen. <laughs> um, I can't remember. Maybe I'll see the difference in those two. That first one's a bit mintier. That's a bit jammier. Cooler vintage, riper vintage. I think I like 16 better. 16 better? I think so. I'm more a 17 guy. Good 17 guy. Elegant, finesse, savoury. But yeah, that, they're both good wines. Well done. Magnificent legs on it. Well oh, great legs. Great legs. <laughs> um, we'll move on because I can't remember what I was talking about before that. <laughs> but we'll go to some questions. Sorry, we have got some okay. questions. Yep. I don't know if you read, I do send these. I haven't probably given them as much thought no, or, okay. or might, might have given them too much thought. That's okay. Actually, before, I did have something to ask yeah. you. Have you ever done, um, is it a mulled wine or milled wine? Mulled wine. Do you do that? Um, I, reluctantly. Yeah, we, we have done it. We've yeah. had some of the, you know, around Ballarat Winterfest, we'll do mulled wine. And I love it. It's, oh, look, it's really, yeah, it's a great way to mm. enjoy wine. Much better to drink, you know, warm red wine on a freezing cold night than drinking cold red wine on a cold it. night. But, um, yeah, look, we, we've done a bit of that, a bit yep. of mulled wine. And, you know, certainly sangria in summer mm. is great. I mean, you know, to, you know, we're not fussy about wine. I mean, certain, certain fine wines, if you've paid a lot of money for a bottle of wine, you sort of want to drink it as is if you, you don't want to adulterate it too much. But, um, yeah, in the middle of winter heat, you know, add a bit of sugar and spices and yep. orange and things like that. And, yeah, it can be... You've got to be careful because when you heat it up, that alcohol really comes yeah. out. So well, it can be pretty heady. Whereas the opposite in 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 summer, like sangria, it's like you know half wine, half you know orange juice and yep. lemonade and lots of ice and fruit. It's really refreshing and beautiful. I um because I I had a, not a fetish for it, but like when I went to uh, New Zealand in, yep. in Queenstown, I had heaps of it there. Yeah. And when I came back, I was like, where the fuck do I get this from? Yep. And I was looking at, I think I looked online and they had it on um, the shelves at 
Dan Murphy's. Yeah. It was in a bottle. Though. I think it was called like Glue Queen or something. Yeah, Is that yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the German, yeah. German nut. Glue Queen. And you had to heat it up and yep. not as good, but still. Yeah. It was okay. And it's probably not the highest quality wine going into something like that. I think it was $6, literally. The there you bottle. go. It's cheap as chips. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's still sitting there. Possibly is. Um, all right, questions. What's something that nobody knows about you? Oh, I was trying to think of something funny. Um, I don't know. Maybe the fact that... And this isn't that funny. It's just the truth. I was trying to think of something. Oh, like that, truth. Um, maybe I'm, I'm probably pretty shy and a bit of a bit of an introvert that, um, you know... People just think, oh, they see you on social media and doing movies and, and yep. that you, it comes naturally. It, it doesn't really for me. I probably tend to uh, just stick to myself. But, you know, when it comes time to engage and talk about your business and do things like that, I'm happy to, happy to do that. But, yep. you know, naturally I'm, you know, pretty pretty shy person. Maybe that's maybe that's why I, I love the booze business because, you know, a couple, couple glasses couple of glasses Dutch car- and courage and I'm, I'm <laughs> away, away you go. So <laughs> it's... Um, I don't know, but yeah, I was just trying to think of something. I mean, there's probably plenty of secrets that I could, uh, I shouldn't tell. But um, go on, but give me one. No, you have no, no, I have, no, I haven't got anything that juicy. I'm, I've led a pretty dull, boring life, really. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, no, nothing, nothing, nothing crazy comes nothing. to mind. Sadly, I wish I had something right. really juicy and interesting for I'll, you. I'll let you go with that one. <laughs> uh, what do you love most, apart from family, apart from wine? You can't. Oh, apart from family, my dog and food and booze. Um. I had two answers for this. I was going to say the ocean, and that was the sort of boring answer. You know, mm. The ocean for me has always been a place to, you know, just in awe of the vastness and a place to free your mind. And I've, you know, made some of the biggest decisions in my life, you know, whilst looking at the ocean. Um, but probably one of the things I love the most, and it comes back to what we do, is you know, putting a smile on people's faces. That that customer service, the the definition of hospitality, and and what we do when people walk in the front doors at Mitchell Harris is, you know, you never know what sort of day people have had yep. um, when they walk in those front doors. And, you know, as long as you can put a smile on their, their face when they leave and, and really look after them, treat them as though they've been in your house and, you know, they're in your, your care. Yep. Um, and seeing our, our customers leave and, and then return with, you know, with smiles on their faces and knowing that we've hopefully improve someone's day um, is actually really that is really satisfying and really absolutely love it nothing makes me prouder of our team and and sort of what we've done is to 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 put smiles on our customers faces and that that might sound a bit corny but I do really love that that is that is I think why you know we've perhaps had some of the success we've had because we've always put the customer in the the center of of what we do you're very genuine there yeah absolutely awesome um, I like that answer. That's good. What are you most afraid of? Um, being asked to score at my daughter's basketball game. What, because you miss oh, it all the time. Just looking. What? No, just to have to sit there. The controls having to score. That that's the most terrifying thing. Um, apart from that, um, insecure heights. I'm no good at. When we first mm. got that building, um, the Mitchell Harris building, we're upstairs. There was an attic upstairs, and Craig and I. Yeah, you know, we were look, exploring the building and. We had this big extension ladder and we went, there was an attic um, in that, that upstairs level and Craig climbed up the top and shone a torch around and goes, oh, come and have a look up here. You know, there's all, there's all this old canvas works and there's all, you know, tents and all this junk that was up, up there. there. Really? Yeah, so it used to be canvas works for many oh. years. And so Craig said, yeah, go and climb up and have a look. And I could just get to the top, couldn't go any, I could, the I got so far. The ladders are no good. Ladder, ladders are no good. Yeah. About four rungs up, I'm hopeless. And then, 
sort of five minutes later, we grabbed the key to unlock. There's a door that went out onto the roof, yep. and Craig was the complete opposite. I just walked out the door and went out. Craig was like, "Nah, I'll just stay here." So, oh, so you know, you're on ladders, but you get out. I happily, yeah, I'd happily run around the roof. Um, that's no. fine, but if I had to climb a ladder to get there, I wouldn't. I wouldn't make it. Um, do, you, do, you a, do you have a ladder license or? No, I don't have a ladder license. No, I'm good for about good for about. I don't know. A meter. Three three feet. I'm good. Yeah. But um, so no, I don't really have too many fears. I mean, I guess it's all sort of self doubt stuff sometimes. You know, being exposed by your peers for being a phony and you know all that self doubt. You know, really? Are you? Oh, sometimes. Yeah, I think so. Some of the, I remember, especially Shandon days. One of the most terrifying things I found was having to do presentations, um, especially if my bosses were sitting in the in the audience like that I, I was absolutely mortified and um early days of having to do you know a bit of filming and media stuff there i was hopeless absolutely hopeless i would just freeze and stutter and could not do a thing these days it comes a whole lot more naturally um and it all just i guess comes with your confidence and maturity and and things like that if you if you know your topic then and you can speak to it then you're fine it's like yep. any public speaking gig I suppose if you if you don't know your topic and you've got to get up there and you bullshit your way through it yeah. um, that's pretty terrifying but yeah if you know your topic then you're often pretty safe yeah definitely uh, is there anything in your life that somebody said to you that's just stuck with you yeah I guess um, I don't have too many pearls of wisdom from my parents and family but I remember yeah, you know, my father always saying that if you're going to go to the trouble of doing something, just make sure you do it properly. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, I think that's, you know, we're all time poor and you know everything. You know, if you're going to go to the effort of actually trying to create something, make something, do something, then do it to your, the best of your ability and and um, do the best job you can. I think. Um, yeah, sometimes that you know, that can come at an expense. Like you can overthink things and overwork things when, um, but yeah, probably yeah, a bit of perfectionism um, can be a trying to trying to get everything perfect can also yep. be a bit of a drawback. But um, yeah, that that was a good bit of advice. Um, and I think also another you know, bit of advice, probably probably from my wife or something, when I was going through a bit of a down patch a few years ago, is to just you know try and have a bit more positive outlook trying to ha- always have a positive outlook on life is it takes you a long way you know yep. probably sometimes we all get a bit bogged down in you know things that are going wrong and can put too much importance on on negative things in your life and you forget about all the good stuff that's yeah, going on you're always and, and thinking so, the negative so you've got yeah, all those positives these days especially as you know as a manager as an owner of a business and especially as a father trying to you know be a lot more positive and and try and you know say yes to a lot more things than than saying no to to new experiences and new things as well so um yeah that's probably advice it calls according to john uh last one who do you want to see on the podcast next oh before I actually heard Liana's answer, yeah. Belinda Coates would be fantastic yep. for all the reasons Liana said last time. Okay. She's just awesome. such a magnificent advocate for all peoples, um, and she should be tremendous. Um, I don't know. I'd be really keen to hear from um, you know probably the next generation of leaders coming coming through. Some of the young people that are coming through and living and working and studying in Ballarat and what yep. their vision for this city is because. Yeah, Ballarat's going to go through a lot of change, is going through a lot of change. It's a really different city to what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. And, um, and I'd love to, love to get um, you know, young people's perspective on you know, how we're going to 
make this a more sustainable, livable city. Um, even you know some of our local first peoples here, yep. you know, they need to be part of that journey as yep. well. How how we respect their land and, and what we do with this city to make it a great city for everyone. So yeah, I'd be really keen to hear from someone who has has a really good vision for the future of this city and whatever level of leadership that is. How young, is that someone that's super young or what age to Well, um, you know, I'm, it's not me anymore. I'm, I'm, no, I'm no longer <laughs> young, but yeah, you know, someone from, you know, one of the, maybe a young indigenous leader or yep. someone from the Ballarat Youth Council. Yep. Um, and yeah, you know, other young guys doing good good stuff in, in, in business and um, in, in other, in the arts and other, um, other aspects of Ballarat life would be really, really fascinating to, to hear from. Awesome, fantastic. Um, do you have anything you want to share with the viewers before we go? Anything you want to share? Yeah. Oh, look, no, I think everyone, hopefully people that are living in Ballarat, and, or even if they're not in Ballarat and they're listening to this, I mean, you know, this city has come a long way and, you know, we're trying to brush off the old cold and gold sort of past of, of Ballarat, but, you know, there is so much to look forward to um, with the future growth of this city and, you know, from an arts and cultural perspective as well as, you know, our space, which is the, the food and booze and hospitality, you know, and then, you know, you think of the schools and the medical precinct, you know, Ballarat has so much to offer and um, if we can get the next few years, get the planning all, all right, um, you know, we've absolutely loved living back here, moving back here That's and living in Ballarat. It's perfect. It is wonderful and, yep. you know, yeah, that you can bitch and moan about the weather a bit sometimes, but, you know. And you, get, you still get four seasons. You, get, you, you get to use Sometimes jumpers. you get it in one day. You get it, um, get it in one day. You do, and I love it. I'd, I'd, I'd much rather this climate than, than yep. you know, other parts. But so, yeah, look, I, you know, enjoy Ballarat. It has so much to offer and, um, yeah, yep. we love it and hope everyone that comes here does too. Come down to Europe, grab a wine too. Uh, oh, there was one I was going to ask you. Oh, yeah. forgot, sorry, earlier. Your favourite wine. Is there something that people should be trying out there? At the oh, at Mitchell Harris at the moment. Yeah. Oh, look, you know, our bubbles is sort of what we've built our reputation for. So we have Sabre, but we also have, um, and I call it my desert island wine, is, is sparkling rosé. So okay. champagne rosé, but we also have Sabre rosé. And, you know, if I, if I happen to be stranded on a desert island with a refrigerated container full of booze um it would be saber rosé saber rosé saber saber sorry saber rosé as in the big knife the saber yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's our flagship bubbles and uh, saber rosé right saber rosé guys go come down. on down come on down to, to the winery and uh, grab some from johnny boy appreciate your time thanks, thanks very so much Josh. i appreciate it I'll talk cheers soon. see ya Bye. thanks for tuning in team once again would appreciate any reviews you've got down below Have a great day.